RadioInfluence.com. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with the pesky Michael Pelka and <laughs> Beans. If you are a member of the Uncovered DC Locals crew, <laughs> you know why I can't stop laughing. <laughs> I reeled you in hook, line, and you did so good, Mike. <laughs> that worked out beautifully. <laughs> After the 10 minute diaprime, we have a lot to talk about today. Yes, we do. We have many, many things. And uh, the I had thought we would be done with yesterday's primary elections, but we can't even really get into too much of it because there's still counting votes in the critical state of Pennsylvania. Tons of problems in Pennsylvania with their elections. Nothing new from the last bout of elections they had a year and a half ago. Um, tons of problems. Of course, um, Kathy Barnett has uh, definitely not made it. Um, she, she put out a good showing though. I'll tell you for a candidate with a million dollars and you know, the entire universe coming after her. She did. And as I've said in the past, I've talked to Kathy Burnett, had her on the radio with me in the past and she presents a really good package, but I'm, I'm kind of afraid and I hope I don't offend anybody that she's kind of a mile wide and an inch deep. Well, I mean, it's not going to matter for right now anyway. No, I, I just think that it was more casting than it was um, a, a, a true investigation into the possibility of a candidate. But that will be for another day. In the meantime, uh, she'll Dr. run again. Yeah, I, of course she will. This is, a, you know, third time could be the charm. Yeah, she did really well um, for for what she was up against and what she had to deal with, for sure. And then. It's between McCormick, who came out of nowhere after all the polling was showing him down, 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 down. They're like right now before there's all these mail-in votes counted, about 800 votes between them. And somebody made a good point. How come all of these races are always so close with so many voters out there? Which, by the way, Mike, I don't know if you caught the turnout for Republican primaries yesterday. I didn't scan the total numbers. Was it good? I've I've read anywhere between 30 to 40 percent increase in turnout in the primaries. That is massive. Four percent for the Dems. Well, and, and they're going to see that and ramp up pressure as we're, what, 174 days away? Something like that. Midterms. And the Democrats are definitely freaking out. And they're going to try everything from smear to rallying their bases, their various bases. But uh, one of the articles that covered yesterday noted that um, progressives had a good day in several races around the country, including the one that Bernie Sanders flew first class to go stump for in uh, in the Pittsburgh area, that uh, woman named Lee, I think it's Anna Lee is her name, and uh, she apparently won. But when progressives win... That, to me, points to the radicalism that's surfacing really strongly in the Democratic Party. No, I wouldn't say I I would actually disagree with you on that. I don't think that the radicalism is surging. I think that the moderate Democrat doesn't want to vote for any of these people. So all that's left is the radical. So they they're just going to cede their party to the radicals. Well, they're going to vote Republican. I would hope so. Um, Yeah, because. It's just it's it like there there were very few challengers that were of the moderate ilk. Yeah, not many at all. And it, it seems like there's been a lot of funding. And I know Soros has said he's putting a lot of money behind the midterms and move is funneling huge chunks of money into pushing the agenda forward. So uh, there could be a whole whole lot of progressive noise which uh, I do agree with you, and I hope you're 100% right, I, that, that this will drive people over to vote for, I don't know, reality? Yeah, just reality. Forget Republicans, because a lot of them suck. No offense to some of them. We had a bunch of weird things go on yesterday. Well, one great piece of news. I don't know if you ever listened to the podcast, but we, I have a dear friend who I became close with through the COVID escapades. Um, she was a nurse who was treating COVID patients. Anyway, long story short, nurse Sarah Absher, who has made two appearances on the Dark to Light podcast, won yesterday in Forsyth, North Carolina, her primary for the school board. 
I I did not hear this. Did she succeed? She did. She won. Good. So now she moves to the general in that. And, and I'm very proud of her. My goodness. So proud of her. And then we had Madison Cawthorn lose. Yeah, but I don't think we've seen the last of Madison Cawthorn. He's too young to go away. Yeah, he's 26. Uh, he he made some dumb errors, some foolish mistakes by attacking his own party in such a a serious manner. And then carrying a gun into an airport is just dumb. And getting arrested or pulled over for speeding in a with no license and yeah, it's just uh, those are those are mistakes you make when you're 18, not when you're 26 and in Congress. <laughs> True. Yeah. So he lost by a little bit there. Not a mo- not a lot, but a little bit. He lost. And then um, Mastriano won in Pennsylvania, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. And, and he's going to face a serious straight up Democrat for the gubernatorial race. And they are going to paint him as someone who kicked in the doors of the Capitol and carried uh, a spear into the Senate chamber before it's all over. He's in Pennsylvania, though, which is it's not, I don't think it's going to work. The guy who he's running against, I don't even know his name, but I read is a straight up socialist. Yeah, well, you you have uh, and and he won handily. So the uh, lieutenant governor now running for governor to replace Wolf, the cabinet maker. And now he can go back to making cabinets again. Uh, the uh, unappointed uh, King Wolf. But um, this is going to be interesting because you have a gubernatorial candidate on the Democrat side in Pennsylvania and a Senate candidate on the on the Democrat side who are both super progressive socialists. Yep. So Fetterman, who, by the way, uh, talked to our buddy about Fetterman's operation, the the Democrat who had the stroke. And then a pacemaker put in, right? No, he didn't have a pacemaker put in. That would have been a different deal. He had a defibrillator put in. And a pacemaker would have been much less concerning. An actual defibrillator is a bigger stinking deal. And you notice the mainstream media isn't diving into this. He's got heart disease. And they're not calling it heart disease, but he has a problem. So um, I, I don't know if he's going to get a pass, because can you imagine were this a Republican candidate for the Senate? <laughs> and and he voted from his hospital bed before they put a defibrillator in him. Yeah, that's a little scary. It would have been, uh, is he fit to serve? And now if you ask a question... Many in the Democratic Party say you're not allowed to ask about his health. That's that's a personal issue. Well, well I, yeah, we are. <laughs> Joe Biden gets away with it every day. So, you know, well, that's cognitive health. Speaking of which, I don't know if you caught this yesterday from Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. when he was up in Beefalo. And this is just 15 seconds of wonderful. And the values reflected in the A-A-N-H-P-I. I, 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 I. So he's just mocking himself. He, he, he did what Elon Musk said. What? Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Did that just happen yesterday? Yeah. Hold yeah. on. Hold on a second. I'm not prepared for this. Wait, you, you want the Elon about the um, about the teleprompter? Yes, I have it here. You've got you've got it, too. Got it queued up. Go for it. Here you go. Man, it's hard to tell what Biden is doing, to be totally frank. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like it's the, weekend the, at Bernie's. The, 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 the real president is whoever controls the teleprompter. The path to power is the path to the teleprompter. You know, I, I do feel like, like if, if somebody would accidentally lead on the, lean on the teleprompter, it's going to be like Anchorman. It's going to be like QQQ, ASDF, one, two, three, you know, type of thing. Um, <laughs> I mean, in fairness to Biden, he, he hasn't been napping as much as he needs to, but it's hard to see the details that are getting done, you know, watching Elon. So that was wonderful, was it not? I'm. I, it's only wonderful, Mike, because it's what everyone is thinking. Well, and Elon Musk has the courage to say that now. And now we're seeing Twitter executives who are calling him special. Yes. I, I was trying to tiptoe around it, but, you know, referring to his um, his 
position on the spectrum. Are we allowed to say that? We can say whatever we want, because I personally believe and I mean this with everything in my being. People with either autism or Asperger's or any of those, um, quote, diagnosed social sort of um, disabilities. I don't even want to call them that because I don't believe they are. Those are some of the smartest, most brilliant humans working the pl- walking the planet today. And I wonder if it's because they're they can hyper focus on topics and problems and solve them. Their brains just work differently. And in a lot of cases, like, you know, people get upset about having this and it's hard for them in in many situations. I'm not saying it's not, but they should be looked at as treasures, in my opinion, because they think differently than 99 percent of the people walking on the planet. And we should treasure that because we need it. I'm with you on that. Um, I may I want to bring up one more Musk point that ties into an uncovered D.C. story that I, I read this morning, and it's the story about the UFO hearings mm. yesterday. Um, they asked Elon Musk if he believes in in UFOs, and he basically said no. And he then said, but if if I did, it would be good for me because if there were um, if there were aliens and hopefully they're friendly, then it would be great for SpaceX business, <laughs> which I think is. It's just wonderful to see how his mind works. It's crazy that he doesn't believe that they're, I mean, how you could be so, I just think that that's um, arrogant to not believe that there's something else out there besides us. See, I don't think any of the, uh, any of the things that were shown on the videos yesterday were from outer space. I think this is all from either ne'er-do-well geeks or uh, our adversaries. It could be a number. It could be any. And that's the thing is like, that's why the headline is the way it is. And we'll put it on the show notes. Transparency from Adam Schiff. Okay. You forgot the rest of his name. Oh, Schiff for brains. Yes. Adam Schiff for brains. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, I have zero, uh, zero hope for that. And you know, you can go back and look into the WikiLeaks emails and everything else and see, you know who the champions in quotes of disclosure actually are in quotes and big air quotes? I don't, I don't know. It's Podesta, Clinton. They're huge into it. Okay, so we're going to get into them because we're going to get into Sussman. But let's just let's close up on the uh, the UFO hearing. They had the one hearing, right? And we're all watching, waiting. First time in 50 years. We're expecting to get some details. We're told about all the extra encounters over the last couple of years, and there were no um, there were no uh, crashes into or bumping. But uh, then they called the hearing closed, and they went to a classified briefing. So we didn't get to see any of the good stuff. We no. didn't get to hear anything that was really important. Correct. And before they did that, they made sure to talk about how they could potentially criminalize quote, disinformation online about this phenomena. Anyone worried about your First Amendment rights? Uh, This is the time to have your sphincter tighten. (laughs) I I just get so mad when they talk about, we're going to criminalize anyone speaking. Well, then they better have a book-burning party for all of the science fiction books. I... I Start with Dianetics, too, while you're at it. I mean, it's 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 getting to the point where, like, they just keep talking about it openly and you just have to pray that we can be loud enough that they don't do what it is they want to do. And I mean, we we are going to get into Sussman, um, Mike. But first. Yes, yes. I want to talk about something important. Um, so General Michael Flynn filed a grievance with the OMB against the FBI and the White House and a whole bunch of other parties um, for malicious prosecution. Right. $50 million, he asked. $50 million. And I was working with good friend of the show, Adam Carter, from the Washington Pundit yesterday. Um, And Adam brought to my attention something that everybody has kind of just glossed over, but we always kind of like thought might be true. Mm Mm-hmm. There was a FISA warrant on General Flynn that was obtained in the same means that the Carter Page FISA warrant was lying to the FISA court. So the entire investigation was based on false premise. 
Yes. And they went to the FISA court and they got a FISA warrant. I do not know how what the dates of the warrant were, how long it was in effect, but it's concerning for this reason. Do you know how FISA warrants work? Um, no, not well. I have what I believe, but I'm probably uh, deficient totally. So go ahead. So they have the three hop rule. Have you ever heard of that? No, I thought that had to do with um, a, a chalk game on the sidewalk. <laughs> okay. So when you get a FISA warrant on General Flynn, you can take every last iota of communication from him. Look at it without him knowing, right? Everything. Okay. You can also take every last piece of communication from everybody that he talked to. Second hop. And then everybody that they talked to. So basically everyone in the world. Yes. So think about who General Flynn could have been talking to during the time where they had a FISA warrant on him. Even if General Flynn wrote an email to the customer service clerk at Verizon and that clerk wrote back to him, the FISA warrant technically allows this person to go in and then dig up all the emails from the customer service clerk from Verizon. Yeah, or maybe journalists covering the case and whoever they talk to. Maybe somebody that I would know. Potentially. And talk to a couple times a week. You know, or anyone they talk to and then anyone they talk to. Or even if he sent out a thank you message via Twitter DM to somebody. Think about this. Yeah, the whole FISA court thing needs to be completely crushed and rebuilt. The implications of General Flynn's FISA warrant for him are, are magnitudes of, of terrible. The implication of General Flynn's FISA warrant for everybody else are also magnitudes of terrible. Well, based on what we know and based on the three hop rule and all the possibilities that could come out of that, um, what are the chances? Because we know that this is going to be decided in Washington, D.C. What are the chances he's going to get a reasonable judgment or reasonable hearing on it when we look at the voir dire for the Sussman jury included AOC donors and Hillary Clinton donors in the jury pool? Um, D.C., well, would, this wouldn't go in front of a jury, but his eventual lawsuit will. Um, yeah, I know. No, I'm saying that because the judge allowed the AOC donor and the Hillary donors into the jury pool. But everybody says that the judge allowed. Yeah, the judge allowed, but so did the lawyers. I thought they challenged. They challenged some. Okay. Well, then I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. But it's just, it troubles me because we, I feel like we are in the right, but we're playing with a deck that is stacked against. Oh, us. we are no doubt. And I want to give a hat tip to uh Harold Finch for the um, the uh, forward thinking on the FISA warrant hops. Just to give library, the library on Telegram, or uh, I think he's Harold Finch on Truth, which is now open, Mike. Truth Social has opened up to browser. Oh, cool. Yes. I, I still haven't um, carved out time. Time is such a precious commodity. I have to make more time for Truth Social because I get a half dozen or a dozen People pinging me every day saying, so glad you're here. Yeah. And I feel like I'm not holding up my end of the bargain. Well, you're still addicted to Twitter, so. Yes. And I don't think that's a bad thing. No, but you can be addicted to two platforms. True. You can. I am. Okay. Uh, I, I concur. <laughs> All right. So should we should we bounce over to Sussman? Yeah. Bounce on over. Because I'm I'm. I'm still mad what happened to General Flynn from that judge that wouldn't let that case go. Never before in history has something like that really like it spells it out in seven pages. Um, I'll put that in the show notes too. basically what happened. Like you have the prosecution saying, oh, my gosh, um, we're so sorry you didn't actually commit this bank robbery. And the judge saying, screw him. He did, too. Yeah. Ridiculous. Seems like it's very unfair. Yes. Yes, but there, there's there been um, some kind of a... Nah, never mind. Okay, Sussman. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get to watch because nobody did, but uh, I'm sure you dived into the details. Yeah, so um, Technofog put out... See, this is the way it goes. D.C. courts don't have a telephone line or video in the courtroom. 
Yeah, because why would they? They're only in Washington, D.C. Yeah. yeah. So we're forced to, you know, you could go down there and pray you get a slot in the overflow room where you can actually use a device, which, you know, for this trial, I, I it's just not easy. Um, or or you can pray that somebody does a live thread and you can hop onto it, which is what I did. Um, and so the, the first day of the trial was interesting, to say the least. Um, they had the FBI, um, the FBI expert up on the stand and a New York Times reporter that's following this case made it a point to say when they started talking about the DNC hack with this DNS um, cyber expert from the FBI, they did not talk about the DNC hack being perpetrated by Russia. Hmm. So who was responsible for the DNC hack? <laughs> Shall we? Shall we speculate? Hmm. I wonder who it could be. <laughs> you would think that if they had a solid evidence and knowledge that it was, in fact, Russia, they would walk around going Russia, Russia, Russia. It, they have zero evidence. And even CrowdStrike has come out in testimony and said that there is zero evidence. They have no evidence whatsoever that it was Russia. The whole thing was predicated on this. And they have zero evidence, actually, that it was. Now, another interesting thing. Another witness that they wanted to call from uh, from the Jaffe crew, mm. he 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 pled the fifth. Well, that's another weird thing, isn't it? Well, it means he's got no deal, which means I personally believe speculatively, of course, that the next indictments to come out of this are going to be the Jaffe's and the technical people. Well, I think that's probably a really good way to squeeze and get some more bad actors exposed, some higher ups. Also, technical people don't want to. They don't do well in prison. We also learned, Mike, that um, Jaffe was formerly an FBI confidential source who was terminated by the FBI for we did not. We did not learn why. Okay. Yeah. The reason reason for termination is usually very important in these situations. Yeah. Um, and you know, other than that, it was kind of like a very technical overview of what was going on. Um, let's see what Technofog had to say because he's got the transcripts. Okay. Um, special counsel Britton Shaw made clear that this case is about privilege, the privilege of a well-connected DC lawyer with access to the highest levels of the FBI. The privilege of a lawyer who thought that he could lie to the FBI without consequences. And the the the, the fact that they're using the word privilege in front of a D.C. judge uh, jury is brilliant, in my opinion. Well, that is good. I, I think that is a, a wise choice of words. Um, is there any significance to uh, the fact that... Uh, Sussman saying, well, I, I, I was acting on my own and then he built the campaign for his time that day. That's probably one of the most damning issues, is it not? Well, Sussman's argument, I don't know about that part of it and how 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 smart that is. But his argument is that he went to the FBI to help them so that they wouldn't be caught flat footed by a New York Times story that was about to drop about that very thing. So Sussman is saying, I brought this to the FBI because I didn't want them to be caught off guard when the New York Times published this story. Because he's such a great American. Isn't he? Isn't he? Yes, exactly. When we know that he knew it was all BS to begin with. Uh, I just wish that this could move quicker. You know, it's like, can we just pull back the curtain and go, all right, all of this was Bravo Sierra. You lied. She paid for it. Everybody's going down. Can't it can't happen that way. That's that's like an episode of Law and Order. This has to go through this slow grind. Yeah. And we actually you know, the craziest thing about it is we actually got a new picture of Durham now. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's got a new quaff. Not much changes with that guy. And not nothing changes with him. No. no. He looks exactly the same. How would you know if it was a new picture? <laughs> right. I know. You know, it reminds me of um, my guilty pleasure that I try to listen to at nighttime to de-stress, which is the Johnny Depp Amber Heard fiasco circus. 
Um, yesterday, I learned that Amber Heard is a little better actress than I initially thought because I never thought she was much of an actress. And I thought she did a reasonable job <laughs> in her testimony, even though the whole thing is a load of uh, dog do <laughs> on the bed. I want to tell you, you know who I want my best friend to be? Other than me? No, I Other don't know. Johnny Depp's attorney that that it that did the cross examination of Amber Heard. The woman, right? Oh yes. Yeah, she was good. She was good. Now they do you who do you believe on the never make eye contact controversy? I believe him. The line sounds like something Johnny Depp would say to a woman when they were splitting up. You will never ever see these eyes again. Okay. I know. And then he dances away. I know. It was so freaking dramatic. And she's like, he's guilty. He's guilty. Ugh. Well, and for her to talk about um, what was the one that got me uh, that when she explained the dog poop thing by saying that the dog had problems and what caused the dog's problems <laughs> all these years, it ate Johnny's weed. My dog got stung by a bee. My dog, our dog ate Johnny's weed because he was an irresponsible drug user. Like there's a responsible drug user and forever had digestive problems. So he crapped all over Johnny Depp's bed. So years later, the dog crapped on Johnny's side of the bed because it had consumed weed. You know, you can't even make it up. But the craziest thing about this so far for me is that somebody wrote an article that I read this morning because it was it was on I forget what it was. I think it was on Drudge because the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial has more attention than by far, Mike, than Roe versus Wade inflation, like anything that's going on in the country. <laughs> well, the rest of the mainstream media is using it as the white squirrel. Yeah. To distract from inflation and the war. And the uh, formula shortage and the incompetence in the White House and the crazy new press secretary who's just a total mess. Which is why I say it's my guilty pleasure that I used to relax at the end of the night because yesterday was a terrible day. You're not alone. You pour yourself a big glass of bourbon and put on the Johnny Depp Amber Heard. <laughs> I was like, I was like, let me, you know what I'm going to do, Will? I'm going to listen to somebody whose life is much worse than mine. <laughs> I know everybody thinks, God, I would love to be famous and a celebrity. No, you don't. You don't. You do not. I mean, they're dysfunctional. It's terrible. And then from the age of five, they've been told where to stand, what to say, what to wear, all of that. That's what actors are. There are very few of them. You wouldn't have to take your mittens off to count the number of actors who can actually put a sentence together, write a script and direct something. It doesn't exist. So, so. The author of this piece wrote this piece saying basically she thinks that the two of them are in cahoots together on this and that this is some like weird publicly playing out fantasy of theirs. And why she says that is because of all these weird things that have happened at the trial. Like, for example, Johnny Depp will wear a pinstripe suit and the next day Amber will wear a pinstripe suit. And then Johnny Depp had on a certain tie and the next day Amber would wear the same tie. Very weird. Anyway, oh, we have a conspiracy about this. That's what they're saying now. This, and you know what? I think that she should be targeted for misinformation. Well, everybody should be. Just to be fair, you know. Yep. It's just uh, I, I, I love this new theory though. Now I, I have to follow this theory. <laughs> I, I'm gonna find. I'll put it in the. I'll put it in the, uh, the show notes so that you can follow along, and I'll Very send good. it to you. Thank you. And uh, yeah. And um, also yesterday, Mike, we got uh, the FDA approving Pfizer booster shots for five year olds. Sure, they are because they fixed the baby formula thing already so they can focus now on on that. It's just Ah. terrible. It it is a bad idea. And I, I wish they would finally give up. But no, they're not. And they're not fixing the right things. That's what drives me so nuts. And Biden called them the the he didn't call them the Food and Drug Agency. Uh, didn't he call them the Federal Drug Agency? I wouldn't be surprised I because 
the thing about it, too, is, um, Mike, that there's there's reports coming out now. And here's what I think the big problem is, other than the fact that I think that these are are harmful, especially for children. Um, there were massive issues with the manufacturing plants on these on these shots for kids. Okay. And certain lots of the vaccine suffered more than others. Like there was a story that just came out that they went that they self-reported this one, you know, facility self-reported their issues to the FDA. The FDA took months and months and months to even get out there. When they got out there, the staff had removed yellow tags from all of the contaminated batches of J and J vaccine. And then when they left, they put the tags back on. Like so many issues, so many issues. And then the report, Congress started an investigation. The report was um, was released a few days ago, but like just a few days after they had said that the J&J vaccine is not safe. And remember when they came out just a couple of days back, like in, 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 well, maybe a week ago, and they said J&J is not okay. Yeah, they, were, they were suspending yep. using it. Yeah. Yep. And this was where J&J was being manufactured so there's that somebody's got to go to jail for for that kind of thing you take you take yellow tags off off stuff and then after the inspectors leave you put it back on we're talking breaking laws on so and then people wonder why we don't trust the government yeah i mean we we, and then they want to be the ones who are the arbiters of truth Oh, sure. Disinformation. Not true. They didn't say anything about truth. They just said disinformation, which is very different than misinformation. Oh, disinformation is purposeful. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they're saying it. That's why they want to penalize it. And they're going to be. It's just so wrong. First Amendment people. My license plate says after one, after the first, everything else comes second. Uh, It's just maddening. Yeah. on a, I have another maddening topic, if you don't mind. Jump to it. All right. Yesterday, or within the last couple of days, the Department of Education has released a new 14-page statement on charter schools and how you can start a charter school. Oh, boy. And since the pandemic um, and people realizing that the schools were an absolute mess, and the teachers unions were in control of the education of the kids. A lot of charter schools and a lot of homeschooling was going on. And trust me, they're going after homeschooling too. But they say 69% of kids in charter schools come from low income families. So they're going to have to get control of that. They don't want that. Uh, they're going after Hillsdale Barney charter directly in this. And uh, there I'll, I'll send you a link to, uh, Governor Holcomb, who is asking the uh, delay on the new rules for a charter school because it, it severely would cramp it. But I'm a big believer that and and I think the um, Corey DeAngelis was the one who brought this up a billion months ago that the school money, when you pay your taxes, school taxes. Yeah, that money you should be able to allocate to your child and put your child in a school that you choose, not just because of where you live. School choice. Yeah. And I think that should be, um, and months and months and months ago, Greg Gutfeld on the five actually brought this up and, and explained the Corey DeAngelis thing and hang on one second. Cause I think, I think I might actually have it again. This is months ago. And I'm I'm in complete agreement, as people would mispronounce it. I'm in complete agreement with Gutfeld and Corey DeAngelis on this. According to Reason Magazine, 27 states have introduced bills to expand programs to fund K through 12 through to fund the students instead of the institutions. And this is a really, really huge growing movement. Um, And we already do this in other places. As Corey DeAngelis has has pointed out, we already fund people directly with food stamps and Medicaid and Pell Grants and GI Bills. It's time to do it with K through 12. I mean, you know, just pull it out of the schools and give it to the students. I mean, we don't fund the grocery store. We fund the person buying the groceries. We give them the food stamps. 
So this is what how we got to treat education. We got to empower the family because there's a huge imbalance. There's a power imbalance between the teachers unions and the families. There we go. I, I think this is such a common sense approach to the thing. There would be a period um, if this were to be implemented of in, immense pain and uh, kind of like dishevelment within the school systems because overwhelmingly people would flock to the schools that they knew were already good. Yeah. And it would cause overcrowding and it would cause, you know, they, they would have to figure out a way to um, market the schools and have interviews for people to go in and see. And, you know, it would be something to implement, but I agree with you. It should be, especially when Mike Christopher Rufo came out with a story. Wendy from uncovered DC sent this to me last year, the school district of Philadelphia Listen to this. We're going to listen to some clips. You're, you're, they encouraged uh, teachers to attend a transgender conference on kink, BDSM, transsex, bigger dick energy, and banging beyond binaries. I'm not so sure I'm allowed to hear that. Yeah, you're going to listen to it. Okay. You're going to listen to all of these because guess who was also in attendance at this? Kids. Uh, um, Kids. Oh, my God. This is, It was not a teacher's only seminar? No. There were also students in attendance at this workshop. Here is, um, here we go. It's available for sex. Almost every single one that I will be showing you, all of them actually, look like penises. I have tried and touched many dicks, all right? Prosthetics, real dicks, all dicks. This is one of the most realistic feeling in terms of like the inside of a penis, right? And now a pack and play is going to be a prosthetic that you can use for sex, but you can also pack with it when you're not having sex. You're just walking around. It's your everyday packer that you just wear in your pants. And then when you're ready to get in the mood, you're boy, yo, 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 and you can go and have sex. But here that it's a big boy. This is like, gigantic all right give me give me two hours alone and i'll get this in my butt you know <laughs> okay um um another session I, i'm learning things i didn't know existed <laughs> here we go more education for our audience another session transsex banging beyond binaries was led by jamie joy a self-described kinky polyamorous pretty big slut and lucy felding a self-described white, queer, kinky, polyamorous, visibly able-bodied, Jewish, witchy, non-binary, trans femme. Uh, that's not going to fit on a business card. No. And it says underneath her pronouns, she, they, please mix with reckless abandon. Dear God. Here we go. I, I self-identify as kinky and polyamorous and... um. And I also call myself an organizer because in my free time outside of my day job, I like to get people together to explore their fantasies and um, their perversions in group. Hi, I'm Lucy Fielding and uh, my pronouns are she, they. Please mix them with reckless abandon. Um, I am a, a resident in counseling in practicing in Charlottesville, Virginia. I am also a sex educator and um, I'm a white, queer, kinky, polyamorous, um, visibly able-bodied, Jewish, witchy, um, non-binary trans femme. Um, femme is both my queer identity and um, my gender identity. What are they even talking about? The only thing that's missing is vegan. You know, that's the only thing that this idiot didn't. I, we don't care. And why, why aren't you contributing to society? The woman discussed various kink activities, including fetishes involving puppies, spanking, and Mary Poppins. They also suggest. <laughs> chim, chimney, chim, chimney, chim, chim, chim. There were kids at this effing thing. In a wow. discussion about adolescent gender transition, Dr. Scott Mosser explained that he has performed over 2,000 top surgeries, which involve removing girls' breasts and that there is no age limit for beginning the gender journey. 
It says our secret mission at the GCC. He's a mutilator. This person is a mutilator. There, there's more. Here we go. In a session called Bigger Dick Energy, two female to male trans activists, Kofi Opam and Sammy Brussels, explain the process of phalloplasty and using an artificial penis for navigating, cruising, and anonymous casual sex life. Is, is, that, call, is that what it's called? A phalloplasty? I guess so. I thought it was an adedictomy. <laughs> You, you don't, is, is that not correct? It's, I don't, it's like, I know if you're a man, you want to be a woman, you go see Dr. Kachikakov. <laughs> but, and then if you're a woman who wants to be a man, you get an adedictomy. We laugh, but like the next tweet is terrible. Much of the conference, including the most graphic sessions on prosthetic penises and artificial ejaculation devices was explicitly directed to minors with one presenter saying there is no age limit because I feel like everybody should be able to access certain information. The sure. mis- Sure, we need we need more more education on fake ejaculations. It's very important. The Mazzoni Center, which hosted the conference, received five million in taxpayer dollars last year and has worked with the school district on sex health research and sexuality programs for students. And the district's director of teacher leadership sits on Mazzoni's board. And probably sits on fire hydrants. Or goodness knows what else. And this this is what they don't want you to call grooming. Okay? Yeah. Uh, and this is why the GOP will win a massive victory. All we have to do is play this to Republican voters or people who are yet undecided. We have to just play this for any any normal, moral human being on the planet. Oh, you're so heteronormative. This is this is disgusting. As it's a matter insane. of, it's just the, the, you cannot make this up. This this is we uh, the chickens and their gay chickens and LGBTQ trans chickens are coming home to roost. There was a moment a mother who was reading in front of the school board. Oh, I have it. If you want, please it. do. Uh, this is in Clark County, uh, in Nevada, and uh, Mama decided to come to the school board meeting. And read one of her daughter's assignments. Thank you. I'm going to read you an assignment given to my 15-year-old daughter at a local high school. Mom is getting, obviously, very choked up. This is what her daughter was supposed to read and act out. She had to memorize it. I'm sorry. She had to memorize it and act it out at a high school. This will be horrifying for me to read to you, but that will give you perspective on how she must have felt when her teacher required her to memorize this and to act it out in front of her entire class. My favorite part of this, I'm sorry to keep interrupting, but the school board meeting televised this and they actually have a sign language interpreter in the corner trying to interpret what the mom is saying. And while you watch it once on your own, but you should also watch it and keep an eye on the interpreter when she gets to the really weird stuff. I don't love you. It's not you. It's just, I don't like your dick or any dick in that case. I cheated, Joe. They, um, I, they bleeped the word dick. Yeah. So, uh, but then suddenly her mic is turned off and this happens. I'm sorry. This is propaganda. Excuse me. Excuse me. I, I don't. Thank you so much for your, thank you for your uh, comment. Forgive me. I, we're not. Using profanity, are you? Okay. Yeah, that's relevant. I talk. Okay. The this, this required my daughter to read, memorize this, and read this pornographic material. Excuse me. Please don't engage with the audience. Okay. Uh, sorry, so it's my please first continue time your here. public comment. Your your time is. You've got one at one minute and nineteen seconds. Um, I ask you simply. This is a public meeting. No. For decorum, um, and I'm asking, Dr. Jara. Thank you so much, Dr. Jar. If you don't want me to read it to you, what was that like for my 15-year-old daughter to have to memorize pornographic material and um, and memorize it and torture? Madam President, Thanks. members of the board staffs on this, um, we can have the region superintendent speak. They cut the mic again. Yeah. They keep cutting her mic. This is this it, is it's degeneracy, and it leads to. All kinds of problems, no matter how much you try to protect your kids from this stuff. I'm telling you, they're still getting it. 
they're still and getting it. In case anyone wonders what grooming is, it's a deliberate act of bringing a child into a sexual, political or racial ideology, practice or cult or lifestyle without the knowledge or consent of his or her parents for the aim of isolating them from their family so that external party can then eventually abuse and manipulate them. Groomers. Groomers. This makes me so sad because no matter how hard you you try to be a good parent and to instill morals and values in your kids, you have to deal with this crap coming in behind you. And it's terrible. I, I hear the pain in your voice. And I don't have kids. We don't have kids. We run a children's theater, though. And what we go through to make sure that those kids, when they are in our care and control, are protected is beyond anything we're seeing in our own schools. And I don't understand how this is even allowed to happen. Like, how are you supposed to talk to your kids about, you know, how important it is to stay, you know, to 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 kids are going to do what they do. Right. But you instill morals and values in them about their sexual health, about how important it is and how, you know, you don't want them doing certain things when they're too young and they can't understand the implications or how important they are. And then this is all normalized for them in their classrooms. Do you remember a week ago we talked about the woman whose daughter was invited to the art club at school and and she was exposed to all kinds of really deviant behavior. And do you know when the mother raised it with the school, do you know what they told her? What? If you object to this and don't want your daughter to be able to attend this, we will probably call child protective services and tell them you are, you are anti-trans and you are teaching your kid the wrong way. You see, that's, that's a way of shutting down any objection because All they have to do is say, we suspect child abuse. And now you have a file at CPS. Two things on CPS. This is another, this is another government bureaucracy gone mad. Okay. Number one, two stories in the past two days I've heard about CPS and I've been tracking CPS for years. Okay. They're terrible people and they very like, they help some kids in bad situations, but more now, especially nowadays, they target innocent people. And take their kids away from them for social transgressions like this. One one story was, I, I, and I'm going to have to find it because I can't remember exactly where it was. A woman was running for office and wanted to remove the police chief because, or the a, a higher up at the police, you know, and the police there because they weren't doing a good job. And went on a local talk radio show and talked about how they wanted to do that because of the problems with crime and other things that were going on in their, in their neighborhood. And the girlfriend of this woman happened to work at CPS and anonymously, anonymously called in a sexual abuse charge against the woman who had just gone on the radio and who was running for office saying that she was abusing her child. And CPS launched an investigation into her and came to her house and for two straight weeks harassed and, and, and stalked her and all of her doctors and her family and everybody trying to figure out if she was abusing her child, which never happened. And then finally, later, it came out that this woman was the one who had launched the anonymous complaint. And they she was working at CPS, this woman. So how many other people did she launch anonymous complaints about? And then another one was a vaccine injured child whose mom was trying to get them medical attention and went into um, the hospital and nobody would would diagnose or help her daughter, even though her lab results were absolutely insane. She had um, positive ANA, which indicated autoimmune disease and inflammation and all kinds of other stuff. And the mom said, what about hydroxychloroquine? Because it's used in lupus patients to successfully keep flares at bay. It's an anti-inflammatory. My, my, I have a family member very close to me who has lupus who takes hydroxychloroquine every single day to control lupus. Okay. And they called CPS on her for wanting, for asking if they could prescribe hydroxychloroquine for her daughter. This is so frustrating because this is why those of us who consider ourselves to be libertarian more than any other party addiction understand that smaller government means more freedom. Smaller government means 
you obviously have to be more responsible in your own life, but the benefits are so much greater. And we have to get people off the addiction of government in order to take back the individual freedoms that were established and guaranteed by the Constitution and have been destroyed over the last few decades. It's frightening. It is frightening. Like these are the little things that go on every single day that nobody really talks about very much. But, you know, as a parent and you, someone who's, you know, helping kids and nurturing them and culture, you know, with culture and and skills that they'll take around for them with them forever. I mean, I know I was involved in the arts growing up and it shaped my life in ways that I can't explain in a positive way. But like when I have to deal with my daughter coming home to me and telling me that boys keep on using her bathroom despite the regulations in place there because they just want to be, you know, flamboyant and different. And then all of the other things that are going on that we don't always learn about because students are afraid to talk to their parents about things and then trying to raise good moral human beings to take the torch moving on to the next generation while we're fighting all of this crap. It is a daunting, overwhelming task. And I feel for anyone who has a personal struggle with this right now, because these stories don't get picked up, Mike. No, they don't. And they should be. But the mainstream media wants to call you transphobic or uneducated or a a repressed individual if you just want your kid to grow up normal. Terrible. Like the the TikTok, I know we have to go, but there's a TikTok floating around right now of a woman who dressed their son up as a girl, even though the son doesn't seem to really, the poor kid has no chance. I want to play it um, real quick, being that we're talking about this. I just have to- The kid in the tutu? Yes. Yeah, I, I I have it handy if you need Go it. Go ahead, yeah, yeah. Right, this is uh, Lips of TikTok, which you should be following. It's about two minutes, but let's go into it. Stop it when you want. Okay, hold on. You love it, and you want it, and you picked it out, but you don't. But you don't want it for school. Can you tell me why? Because last time I wore a dress to school, everybody called me a girl. Oh. Well, what did we learn from My Shadow is Pink? Even when you wear a dress, you're not a girl. What makes a shirt for a boy or a girl? Nothing. So do you want this? You picked it out. I do want it. You want to wear it all the time at home, but not at school, right? Yeah. Tell me about that. I don't want to get made fun of. And that's what they always do when I wear pink stuff. I'm sorry, but baby. not when I do it only on special occasions. What makes you like dresses so much? I just like dresses. Hmm. Do you think bright, pretty colors and dresses and sequins and jewels and golds, all the things that you always want to wear? Mm-hmm. Do you think that's your innermost you? Mm-hmm. It is. Well, how exactly. are you going to be your innermost you when we live in a place that people think clothing belongs to particular gender? Mm-hmm. It's a trick, isn't it? Oh, yeah, there's a trick going you know, on. He gets made fun of by people for looking like this, too. Huh? Yeah, and she should. I have to stop it. It's going on for a, a, a while. Yeah, this is sad to me. This is child abuse. This is grooming, leading questions. How did this woman ever? Well, I, I'm not going to get into it. I, I just, I don't. You know what I smell right now? I smell bacon wafting up from downstairs. That means what? it's time to go. Okay. <laughs> I can't keep doing this. I'm going to cry. The bacon alarm has gone off. I late. can't eat it, but I smell it. It's a bacon crowd. Oh, you can't. Well, I'm bacon free. I just want to know. I'm by choice. I'm bacon free by choice because I want to live longer. I can't. I can't. I I just I get this. This stuff with with our kids. There's an article up at Uncover DC. I'll put it in the show notes that was just published this morning about how a foster care home for sexually exploited children in Texas was actually trafficking children under the jail. Those people need to be under the jail. Yeah. That's all I can say. I I wish I had a real happy, goofy, silly clip to end the uh, program with. Because, you know, we like to leave you with, oh, I do have one. I have the most ridiculous statement from Dr. Fauci yesterday. Okay, let's do it. If you would like, this was Fauci 
when asked about, you know, could we be facing uh, more school lockdowns because there's been a spike in COVID and more lockdowns in general. And he actually said this. If you're going to lock down, you've got to use it temporarily for a reason to prepare you to be able to unlock down. And there it is. Oh, that's what it's for. So if you're going to lock down, it's it's only to prepare people to unlock down. I believe that God had a hand in the lockdowns, Mike. Do you want to know why? Because of all the things we learned that we weren't paying attention to? Yes. I, I am so with you. We would not have had Virginia flip. We would not have had the uh, revolution in Pennsylvania and many other states and school boards. We would not have had that at all. Nope. We wouldn't have learned any of this stuff if we didn't have the COVID lockdown. So uh, there is good within every tragedy. You just have to find it. You have to keep searching for it. Yep. It's there. Yep. Uh, I have one more. We mocked um, KGB. I'm calling the new press secretary. Oh, yes. Corinne Jean-Pierre. Um, but that's what I'm calling her, KGB. Uh, we mocked her for coming out and saying that she is, she's, you know, all those things that she is. She's gay and she's black and she's an immigrant and she's a woman and all that stuff. And I remembered back in the 70s before you were here, um, the National Lampoon, who I find to be brilliant in their history, had a show called Lemmings. And Lemmings was a mockery of Woodstock. And Woodstock was a festival of peace, love, and music. And it was just a giant, pretty much a giant orgy, which I would have loved to have been to when I was a kid. <laughs> Musical orgy. Uh, but they did Lemmings that mocked it and said it was peace, love, and death. With the people where a million people were coming to kill themselves after they listened to good music. But the stage announcements at Woodstock were mocked by Lemmings. This was a stage announcer talking to the people, and it reminded me, maybe this is where KGB, Corinne Jean-Pierre, got her motivation for her address on Monday. If you're not a black, homosexual, working-class woman, you're an oppressor, pig! You deserve to die! You're not worthy of the cow that died to make your stinking belt, you lame dog jackal! So if you're not a black, homosexual, working-class woman, you're an oppressor, pig, and you deserve to die. It's actually exactly the way she thinks. And this was 1973 on a live stage show from the National Lampoon that if you haven't heard it, you should hunt it down and listen to it. Interesting. That's an interesting way. Yeah. I find so many parallels to what people take as truth now that were meant to be mockery or warnings, 1984 being among them, Monty Python's Life of Brian being the other one when uh, what Stan wanted to be known as Loretta. And Bring they, me a strawberry. And you remember Stan wanted to be, and then John Cleese's character is, where would you carry the baby? <laughs> you put it in a box? You don't have a uterus. It's one of the more brilliant 30-year-old predictions Ever. Well, I, I, I'm not sure, Mike, if we're going to have a show on Friday yet. I'm taking Friday off. I'm traveling on Friday, so I'm not sure. I, I, if me and Frank can get together at some point tomorrow, which looks unlikely. I am uh, I am hosting the Chris Plant Show on Friday, nationally on 120 stations. Fun. From 9 a.m. to noon. Cool. I'll be there. Good. That's a good, that's a good gig for you. Yes. Enjoy that. And you have been listening to the uh, Dark Delight podcast with the occasionally angry and now really angry Mike Opelka and Beans. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and usually Friday on 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. Probably see you back here on Monday. Osmosis Amoebas. I'm Jerry Petuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. 
We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist, so thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 